Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spirit Seeker Hour. Spirit Seeker Hour is your chance to delve into the world of your inner spirit. The Spirit Seeker Hour is brought to you by Spirit Seeker Magazine. Go to www.spiritseeker.com to find out more. And now, here's Cindy Meyer. Hello and welcome. And as the intro said, this is Cindy Meyer, publisher of Spirit Seeker Magazine and your weekly radio show host on this particular format. We've we've been on um, Blog Talk for almost four and a half years now, and there are many, many archive shows, and um, each week is different. We cover uh, anyone or anything that is making the world a better place by enhancing the mind, body, and spirit. And Spirit Seeker is a print magazine that has been available for over 17 years, primarily a print magazine in the Midwest, but it's been read online since 1998. So you can find us in any Whole Foods throughout Chicago, St. Louis, Kansas City. We are in over 250 locations in St. Louis and uh, almost the same in Chicago as well. And then we are a sponsor of many Midwest um, and actually outside of the Midwest, but um, we uh, support conferences in Arkansas, Illinois, Kansas City, Wisconsin, um, all over. We will be uh, at two different conferences in June in Chicago. And just, you know, just stay in touch with us. And the best way to do that so that you find out who the guests are on the radio show and when the magazine is online is by sending an email to info, I-N-F-O, at spiritseeker.com. Ask to be added to the email list, and we will um, let you know of all of these wonderful things that are happening. The other thing is, is that starting in May, we will be doing drawings each and every month for free CDs, free books. And so even if you are on our email list to register to be uh, entered for those drawings, just send an email to info at spiritseeker.com and just say free gifts and um, and then you'll be registered each month for the drawings and you don't have to listen live we know that we have um, a lot of people who listen to the archives because the minute the show is finished it is an archive that's the beauty, beauty of a virtual blog um, and a radio show in this format so you can download the file at any time of the day or night listen to it on your iPod listen to it on your computer etc okay so that's all of the announcements the May issue uh, will be online on Friday, May 1st. So tonight, my guest is someone that I um, just think very highly of. His name is William Mitchell. He's the founder of the Mitchell Institute for Professional Hypnosis and Personal Motivation Hypnosis Clinics. He has more than, um, he has four successful clinics in Illinois, but he's very much present in the St. Louis area. Um, He is a certified instructor for the National Guild of Hypnotists. He's been working um, in this field since 1997, and he has hypnotized thousands and thousands of people in group sessions. He's um, conducted over 250 stage hypnosis events. Um, He and many of his practitioners were working with prom nights most recently. Um, He is an adjunct uh, faculty member at the Southern Illinois University School of Medicine in Springfield, Illinois, and he also serves on their complementary and alternative uh, medicine panel. He is a regular host of voiceamerica.com, an internet talk show for the mind, body, and spirit. I could go on and on, but I'm going to bring William on now and let him um, just share a little bit about himself. So, William, well, thanks, welcome. Cindy. I'm, yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure to be on your show. 
Yeah. So, so how did this all start? I mean, 1997. That was like 17, almost 18 years ago. And oh, it's, yeah. it's scary so, to think how long ago it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just know because I had a child in 1997, and uh, and I'm like, wow, that was a, that was a good year for many of us. It's uh, but 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 just what what drew you to the field of hypnotherapy? Were you always fascinated with the mind and how it worked? Well, I've always had a strong interest in psychology and the social sciences. And my original training is as a Protestant minister, and I have a bachelor's degree and a master of divinity. And, and I'd always been asked to do a lot of speaking about psychological topics outside the church. I was always into the, you know, uh, grief recovery, uh, Myers-Briggs type indicator, personality inventory, uh, a lot of things like that. And I actually got into hypnosis sort of backwards. I, I was approached uh, because of my speaking by a company to uh, do these group weight loss seminars, and as part of their weight loss program, they used hypnosis. And so I, I was a little reluctant about the hypnosis. I didn't know much about it, and so I called a psychologist friend of mine that went to my church, and we went to breakfast, and I said, what do you think about hypnosis? He goes, oh, don't be afraid of hypnosis. He goes, I use it in my practice all the time. It's not a cure-all. Nothing is a cure-all, but don't be afraid of hypnosis. It, it's fine. And so with that in mind, um, I, I just learned enough hypnosis to do the seminar. And as soon as we started doing the seminars for weight loss, two things. One, I could see these people were deeply hypnotized, even in these big groups. And that was amazing just to watch. Number two, when we'd come back about three months later and do the seminars in these same towns, a lot of these people had lost significant amounts of weight. And I went, wow, there's something to this. So I decided right then I need to get more training than just enough to basically do the seminar. And so I've been on a kind of quest ever since to learn more and more. And I continue you know, I'm constantly reading, taking classes, and because it's just um, it's it's the kind of field where you can learn a lot very quickly, but you can spend the rest of your time learning, the rest of your life learning. So, so I really have enjoyed it. It's really been it's been great to me. As a matter of fact, I think of that Saturday Night Live character that you know is, is representing like a Caribbean baseball professional player, and he talks about baseball been very very good to me. I I really can say hypnosis has been very very good to me. <laughs> That's a good analogy, and and you know it's interesting. Other, um, like the the athletes in Germany, the athletes in a lot of the European countries, they've used hypnotherapy, and they've used, um, you know, uh, what what is the name of it? Where they focus on and creative visualization. I mean, they're they've been using this with their athletes for years. Oh yes, yes, and in the United States too. Matter of fact, it's a little known fact that. Many of our professional golfers have their own hypnosis. I mean, as a matter of fact, I have a good friend, John Weir, out of Myrtle. Well, he used to be in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and now he's in Orlando. But that's all he does is he does hypnosis with primarily with golfers. That's fascinating. I had no idea. But um, but I did notice, preparing for the interview, that you're a member of the International Medical and Dental Hypnosis Association. So what is that about? Well, that's that's another hypnosis organization that you know, um, obviously has an interest in the medical aspect. I'm also a member of the um, American Academy of Medical Hypnoanalysts, you know, and uh, hypnoanalysis. And so the um, the medical aspects of hypnosis are, are just amazing. Most people think of stop smoking or weight loss, but, but the truth is if you took all the research ever done on hypnotism, half of it is on pain management, which I think is amazing. Yeah. And, so and overriding. That's interesting. I mean, that's what the way our culture suppresses pain and doesn't want to feel pain, and with the epidemic of pain pill um, 
people that are addicted with pain pills. I mean, so how, okay, can you explain to someone who's listening to the show and they're like, I've never thought about being hypnotized for my pain. Can you explain how this works? Well, uh, a simple explanation would be that we all have the ability to block pain to a certain degree. Everything that happens in hypnosis takes a natural mental function or our ability, you might say, and that ability is enhanced by the hypnosis. So we, call, we talk about hypnotic ability. So you, you, everyone has some ability to block pain or to be distracted away from their pain. But you can amplify and exaggerate that and expand that in hypnotism to the point where you can actually create what would be very common, almost everyone who's hypnotized experiences analgesia, which means you, you can feel touch but no pain. And then if you really get someone deep enough in hypnosis, you can experience full anesthesia where they can't even feel touch. And, for example, when I train my students, we teach them depth testing, and one of the tests is, is you pinch their hand and, and, and you, act, you actually ask the question. You say, do, do you feel touch but no pain? And this one woman from St. Louis who's a wonderful person, Natalie Tony, she was in my class, and she was pinching this guy's hand, and she kept saying, uh, you, feel, you feel a touch but no pain? He, he kept saying, I don't feel anything. And she kept pinching him, and I'm in the back of the room waving, trying to get her attention because she couldn't believe he couldn't he couldn't even feel that she was touching him. And I, and I mean she could have she could have stuck a pin in him, and he wouldn't have felt it. I mean <laughs> he had total anesthesia. Wow. So so you know it can be used for childless child childless um, uh, painless childbirth, and that's very common use for hypnotism, painless childbirth. Also, um, especially in Europe, there's a lot of surgical procedures done using solely hypnotism and there's lots of films about it and lots of you know lots of people can testify to it and in the united states it's the law though you have to have someone who's an anesthesiologist in the operating room if you're going to do any kind of major surgery but you can still add hypnotism to traditional anesthesia and reduce the amount of bleeding uh increase the recovery time and lessen the number of anesthetics uh, medical anesthetics drugs that you have to take so how does that work? Do you think that it's when you're, um, I mean, I have, I have heard my Qigong master was in his 80s, and they kept hearing about his miraculous healing powers. And so they, they're like, okay, we're going to let you come underneath the operating room floor. You can't come in the operating room. But you can send that qi up through the floor from, below, you know, from underneath that operating room. And what they found is that the anesthesiologist used less anesthesia, the mm-hmm. patient's bounced back, the doctors and nurses who were on their feet for these long surgeries came out of the operating room bouncing. So basically they were filled with chi. So mm-hmm. somehow with working with the mind, the mm-hmm. body just, okay, can you explain? Because I'm, 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 this is fabulous what you're sharing. Well, and you know, the, the, um, the art that you just shared about is very Eastern and hypnotism is a very Western approach to probably something that was discovered in the East. Most most people credit the modern movement of hypnotism, which started in the 1840s, with an English physician named Braid, who went to India and discovered that he could do these very, very painful surgical surgeries, really which, what was called, what we call today, testicular cancer. And, you know, many people back then don't realize that when you did surgery like that before ether or any kind of anesthesia, uh, the the uh, the death rate, the death toll was very, very high because people would go into shock and they'd die, even if the surgery right. was successful. But he discovered that the people in India had this ability to put themselves in what many people would call a trance-like state, and he could do the surgery then, and then they'd come out of it, and they wouldn't go into shock, and they were 
able to, uh, you know, endure what normally would be a very painful surgery, able to endure it with almost no pain. So he came back to the United States, and I mean, I'm sorry, back to England, and he came back to England. But unfortunately, as far as uh, the timing for hypnotism, was about 10 years after he re- he introduced this into the English medical system. About 10 years later, ether was discovered, and you know, the history of uh, medicine is well known. You know, we we prefer our drugs to using <laughs> mind-body techniques. And, um, and and there's a lot of reasons for that, everything from money on. But but um, So hypnotism has been known and used, but it's always been kind of on the sideline comparatively to the actual medicines. So, But uh, it's amazing what's going on in hypnosis because just like you're talking about that incident with the person using their powers, uh, there seems to be within all of us the ability to, um, to take these natural gifts and to expand those gifts in certain situations so that we can you know, be in a situation where you have less pain or more rapid healing power. For example, Blue Cross Blue Shield in 2006 did a, um, a very detailed study in California, and they took they took um, these patients who were being operated on for a variety of different major major surgeries, and they would give them uh, a CD to listen to before it was a hypnosis CD, not even a live hypnotist, and a CD to listen to afterwards, and they after the surgery, and they discovered that. Um, Per client, they were saving because of less medication, faster recovery times, less less blood transfusions during the surgery, et cetera, et cetera. They were saving over twenty six hundred dollars and two thousand six dollars uh, per per patient, and they were blown away because they thought, you know, yeah, it's California, but still, they even thought that was just too new age for them, you know. <laughs> That's interesting. Well, you know, Kaiser Permanente, one of the first HMOs in the U.S. I mean, yep. that's where Deepak Chopra started. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you know? I don't know if you knew that, but I mean, he. I did they, not know, they, that. Did not know Yes, that. No. he was were using his Ayurvedic medicine. I mean, he was totally sponsored. You know, that's how he, uh, you know, came to be so well known. Is he? Um, he was teaching meditation, but he didn't call it meditation. First time I heard him was in 2006, and there were 600 people in this room. No, it wasn't 2006. What am I saying? It was 1994. Then I saw him again later. But in 1994, um, he spoke in St. Louis. 600 people. And the man never called it meditation. He called it lengthening the quiet pauses between the thoughts. And then wow. he referenced the Benson, um, the, the Harvard Benson relaxation yes. response, you know, which in the silver mind control, you know, I mean, all of this stuff, it's like there's so much confirmation data, et cetera, but it's still people act like it's new. So one, one person that's relatively well known that a lot of traditional hypnotists like is the medical doctor, Dr. Bernie Siegel, who wrote the book uh, Love, Medicine, and Miracles. And um, he actually and he actually developed a protocol to use hypnotic-like techniques. Now, sometimes he'd call it guided visualization because some people find that easier to swallow than the mysterious word hypnosis. But um, many of my colleagues um, in working with cancer patients have followed his protocol in using, you know, hypnotism with, their, with people who are dealing with cancer and and um you know surviving with cancer and um you know and he was he was uh really kind of ahead of his time back in the 70s and 80s you know and he was he was talking about you know the fact that it's more than just chemotherapy it's more than just radiation there's the uh the uh client the patient has the ability to influence their own healing and and self-hypnosis and also guided what we call heterohypnosis when someone hypnotizes you they can be used in that process you know, there it, it's just fascinating to me because I, I don't know if you know. I started off as a nurse, and um, what I 
what I least liked about nursing was sticking, poking, prodding, and all that part mm-hmm. of it, the mechanics of it. What I loved the most about nursing was explaining what was going on inside a person's body, what the tests were, what what the reason they were doing the test, the reason we're doing an upper GI or a lower GI or whatever, and the you know, and and I loved the uh, evening shift where you would, if you were trained in the way I was, you gave a back massage. Well, I mean, you know, this is like a long time ago, and most of the nurses were like, I'm too busy for that. But oftentimes, when you would have that small of a touch and that contact, that's when their story would un- unfold, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. oftentimes, they had not had someone that close, just a gentle, safe, therapeutic back massage to help them relax before they went to sleep. So, you know, it, Dr. Bernie Siegel is one of my heroes. I, you know, I, I went through cancer in 2006, and, um, you know, I mean, he's fascinating in his field, and and it is. There have been whole books written on why do some people get better and some don't. Right, you and know, their immune system respond yeah. more quickly than others, and yes. And right. uh, absolutely. And we have a couple of presentations in the Heartland Hypnosis Conference coming up this weekend in St. Louis where they're actually doing exactly that topic. As a matter of fact, um, one of my former students, um, Mike Hawkins, he's actually now working in the medical community up in Dubuque, Iowa, and uh, working on these whole issues of uh, the topic, his title of his presentation is empowering the cancer patient to live using hypnosis, and um, you know that's that's uh, he's, he'll be following some of the Bernie Siegel protocol there when he explains that. But but it's really a, it's fascinating and amazing. But uh, uh, yeah, I'm a big Bernie Siegel fan too. Matter of fact, I had him come speak at my church down in San Antonio back in the 90s, and uh, it was really great. We we joined in with Memphis Hospital there. He spoke to the doctors, and we had him speak one night at our church and. We sold tickets, and it was a very large church, and we, you can imagine we sold out. And, but he, he always travels with his wife, and, um, and uh, he always requires a large car and a driver. So I volunteered to be the driver, so I had a good full two and a half days with he and his wife, and what a blessing that was, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, that's fabulous. I mean, you know, to have that much contact and, you know, I mean, that's, that's fabulous. You know, uh, I can't say enough. But um, but let's talk about the conference. It's 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., three days in a row, three full yes. days in St. Louis. So let me just hear, you know, just share with the listeners, and I know there was an early bird price. I think we're past that, but um, but please share what the cost would be, and, and then we'll kind of go over all the different classes that are being offered. Sure, sure. Well, for the one thing that we're doing that's different, there are many hypnosis conferences out there, although not in St. Louis, but but like in Chicago and Boston and Los Angeles and Las Vegas. But um, this one is unique in several ways. One is we have opened the conference up to the general public. So you don't have to be a hypnotist. You don't have to have any training hypnosis. You can just come and learn how could hypnosis help me, and that would be your quest. And we have a whole track of classes every hour from 9 o'clock to 6 o'clock. It's a new class, and uh, these classes are for the general public. And we talk about self-hypnosis, self-improvement, and um, and uh, some of the presenters are very well known. Some of them are local hypnotists, local to the St. Louis or the what I what I'd call the tri-state area between you know Missouri, Illinois, and Iowa. And um, you're going to have a lot of those local practitioners presenting too, which is good because people can meet someone they might want to work with. Although we have we have presenters coming from Arizona and Utah and you know New York, and we we have them coming from around the country too as well. But but a lot of them in the self-hypnosis general public track are going to be local hypnotists as well. So if you Here's someone you like. You can go see him. <laughs> well, and, you know, this is oh, – I'm just going to name some of the different topics. There's self-hypnosis for self-improvement. Um, mm-hmm. There is uh, 
how to use social media to expand and grow your practice, which, you know, I find it fascinating that you brought that into it because so many holistic practitioners, whether they're hypnotherapists, massage therapists, et cetera, they sometimes don't have the business um, stuff that goes with it. And so I thought it was fascinating that you have a class just on that. Um, mm-hmm. There's negative clearing with self-hypnosis. There's um, NLP, which I love, Neuro Linguistic Programming. And, of course, that's Joe Mm -hmm. Craig, one of our Mm -hmm. local speakers. Um, How to add some magic to your hypnosis show. And let's just, you know, I'd like to pause here. And how how is it that the after-prom stage hypnosis started? I mean, I I saw that on your Facebook page. I thought, what a brilliant (laughs) idea when you have, you know, like my kid just, you know, his his, uh, big year-end – you know, the senior night, you know, when they yeah, do the lock-in. Night. With a right. lock-in, where they're locked in, I thought that would be a fascinating time, like if you could have hypnotists. Oh, yeah. I don't know, yeah. but at any rate, what, what started this? I, I'm just curious. Well, I, I think, you know, that, uh, that uh, as you know, the, the lock-them-in principle is the idea of, you know, on those important nights, whether it be prom or graduation, not to get so inebriated that they go out and get killed or hurt. And so they, right. they have a fun night for them. And part of the fun night was people said, well, let's bring in a, Let's bring a hypnotist, and let me tell you, students like that just love the shows, and they're they're all keyed up, and they're great hypnotic subjects. And, and the truth is, any good working stage hypnotist will tell you, college students and high school students are very responsive to hypnosis, and part of it, part of it quite frankly, scientifically, has to do with brain development. As you know, the brain really isn't fully developed until age 25, and really prior to 25, almost almost everyone that's willing is a pretty good hypnotic subject. And you have some people who are better than others. And uh, and at 25, some people remain a great subject, and they are the rest of their lives. And other people, after 25, they're not as good. I mean, they, almost everyone can be hypnotized to some degree. But prior to 25, they really um, are extremely, extremely responsive to hypnosis. So the high schools and colleges just love having these shows because it's not unusual if I get 20 volunteers to have 20 go the whole show. And um, so the whole show, they're, and they're all deep, and, and you'll keep people, people up there aren't deep in hypnosis. But that is an un- unusual aspect of the conference. Most conferences are either professionally oriented, which we are, or they're oriented for stage hypnosis, which we are, or they're, you know, like I said, occasionally you do something for the general public. But this has all three. We have, we're offering mental health CEUs on Friday. We're offering our stage hypnosis classes all three days. We're offering professional classes all three days. We're offering classes for the general public. But they, for example, my uh, my hypnosis team, we used 12 hypnotists last weekend to do 20 after proms and. They're a lot of fun, and the kids eat it up, and, and you know it's good, clean fun. And and um, what's really interesting about a hypnosis show is it demonstrates what we often refer to as the phenomenon of hypnosis or hypnotic phenomenon, like amnesia, um, positive, negative hallucinations where they see something that's not there. For example, I always have a mic stand with me, and I'll take a really good subject, and I'll ask them, "Who's the who's the favorite? Your favorite male or female celebrity you'd like to meet? A boy, female, guy, you know, or a girl, be a male celebrity." And they'll say it in the microphone, and you know, let's say it's Ch- Chatham Tatum, you know, Tatum, and and um, I, I think I said his name wrong, but anyway, the really sexy dancer guy. <laughs> but, yes, but that's, that's a common one. And um, and then what I'll do, I'll say, now when you open your eyes, you know, I'm gonna count one to five. You open your eyes, you will not be able to see the mic stand. All you'll see is him. And oh, they go nuts. They go nuts. And then uh, all of a sudden, I'll bring him out of hypnosis, and suddenly they realize they're kissing and hugging a mic stand. <laughs> Gosh, how funny! And and then for them, for the for the observers to see, you know, that they went that deeply. I mean, that in and of itself is 
you know, a demonstration yeah. there. So so how is it going to work this weekend? If you could explain to, uh, and listeners, by the way, if you do have a question, please push one um, and pound on your phone, and then my um, producer will bring you on um, as we go along. So just if you have any questions at all for our guest tonight, please, um, please just push the one pound. But, William, I mean, if someone um, – from the general public is coming. Uh, is there something like every hour, or or do they need to study the the schedule? Um, I mean, I know they can take any of the classes, but the stage performances is that like ongoing all three days? I know that. But how would they plan? Would they just come and just be part of everything, or what would well, you suggest? Well, come we, we give them a schedule. I mean, they're going to have to make a choice on what. The, now, if they sign up for the professional track, they can take the stage hypnosis classes, or they can take the professional trip classes, but most people are going to come from the general public. They'll want to stay in their in their track of classes, and yes, it'll change every hour, and there'll be different classes, different presenters, and so, you know, if you don't care for one, just wait an hour, and it'll be a good one next time. <laughs> oh, how funny. So you will be doing, a, if I see, saw this correctly, you'll be doing a group weight loss um, yes. stage presentation. What are some so of doing, the other stages? We're doing several. We're doing three, we're doing three weight loss sessions. They can come 7 o'clock Thursday night because we wanted to put one at night because some people can't come during the day. So 7 o'clock Thursday night at the hotel. It's the Holiday Inn Express there in Maryland Heights. It's on River, Riverfront Drive right by Dave and & Buster's. And um, so we'll do a, do a group uh, weight loss session. As I mentioned, I did those for years, and I still do. As a matter of fact, Saturday night I'm doing one for the National Guard over in Mount Vernon, Illinois, actually, for, for their so they, they can stay in shape and pass their PTs, physical, their, you know, physical tests. And... Um, so then um, we'll also have one at, on Saturday at 1 o'clock, and I'll leave that one too. Then at 3 o'clock on Sunday, Keith Hadrill, who's local to, to St. Louis and does a lot of uh, group weight loss sessions, he'll be doing one at 3. And then we're also having um, the, a group session with the uh, Fergusons who are out of St. Charles, Missouri, Don and Drew Ferguson, and they're doing one on, um, on uh, success. Uh, it's actually called the Successful Steps for Self-Hypnosis. And um, but it's all about uh, it's a group hypnosis session to um, to help the people. Oh, it's goal. It's called group goal achievement. Group goal achievement. I'm sorry, that one. The group goal achievement is at three o'clock on Saturday, and that's going to be a group hypnosis session for about 50 minutes. And then at the end of the program, uh, and this is a rare treat, and this is this has never happened at any other conference yet. We're going to have a big stage show at five o'clock on Sunday evening, and Salish who is one of the top stage hypnotists, not just in the United States, but in North America, he's going to be, he's going to be doing the stage show. And Salish has never taught at any other conference until this one. And he and wow. I have become good personal friends. And he, he got performer of the year last year on the college circuit. And, um, and uh, he's, he, was, uh, he just got back from Iceland doing a week of shows in Iceland. He's getting ready to go back to Scandinavia. And he's amazing. And um, he's a fine gentleman, a humble gentleman, even though he's very talented. And um, but I would uh, I would put him up there as being one of the very best, and he's actually teaching for the first time at this conference. So we have a number of of stage hypnotists who kind of know who he is and realize that possibility, what how great that is. So they're actually coming pretty much just to just to sit at his feet for a while. <laughs> but that I'm is really up, nice, I'd... though. Yeah, he's you know that, that you have that personal connection, and he's coming together, you know, with everyone for this. I mean, that's, oh, he's that's... very that. yeah. He's very because he's you know uh, we aren't paying our presenters you know they don't get paid this is they're just sharing their knowledge and their attitude is kind of like mine you know they need it's time to give something back you know and um, and they're, they're just doing that but now some of these people like Salish they'll they'll be doing after proms on Saturday night so you probably won't see Sa- Salish on 
Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> no, he'll be up late with the young ones. <laughs> and yeah, you're going to be show. over... I mean, all you know, the energy that you have, William, is pretty amazing. I mean, you know, here you are. You're in charge of this three-day conference. You have these amazing speakers locally and otherwise. And then here you are going off on Saturday night to work yourself. Yeah, so I'm going to do that group seminar for the National <laughs> Guard, and I have two stage shows that night, and then I'll come back. And I actually, my first presentation Sunday's at 11, so um, we're, we're doing that. And, and um but but it'll be fun, and you know, um, uh, you didn't. You also didn't mention I still pastor church too. I'm actually having a substitute preacher that Sunday, though. But <laughs> well, and I keep track of that too. I love your Facebook page where, um, you know, you just share so many heartfelt things, and you know, I just love that you wear so many hats, and you're so good at what you do, and. Oh. Um, I don't know. And then I also want to mention, you know, with the conference, um, there is a group hypnosis session on uh, boosting the immune system, um, working with immune disorders. And then um, I'm not sure, the ADD, ADHD, is that more for the professional track? Well, actually, David Newman, and that's going to be in the general public track, David Newman, who's out of Jefferson City, Missouri, he's going to talk about using hypnosis to discover and develop the gifts of ADHD and autism. And he's a believer that some of the traditional approaches to ADHD and autism may be going at things backwards. And he, he takes a different approach using hypnotism. And he has some interesting ideas about that. And I'm very interested myself to hear him in that class. And um, I've talked to him personally. As a matter of fact, I did recruit him to be in this conference. But but um, he's out of Jefferson City, Missouri. And, um, you know, he seemingly has a very good practice there. And, and I'm excited to hear what he has to say because, he does take a, a different approach to, um, you know, attention deficit disorder. And he will be presenting once about uh, AD, ADD and ADHD for the professionals. But the one on Sunday, um, uh, he'll be doing it Sunday evening, is at, um, at 4 o'clock. He'll be doing using hypnosis to discover and develop the gifts of ADHD and autism, which I think is a fascinating topic because, as you know, the number of people with autism is going through the roof. Oh, it's just unbelievable. And um I mean I think I think it was high before but it just went under the radar and now with the way we have communication, we have um people talking about the, the children that are different and the adults you know, it used to be, you know, that um you know, when we had the special school district a lot of people got tracked there and now that we don't have that, they're mainstreamed and I just think and I just think there's there's a an increase. You know, we all know that statistically that it's showing. And as you know, there are a number of theories about it, and I don't want to get into that here, but, but whatever reason there is, it, it definitely seems to be more prevalent than it was, for example, uh, the, in our memory, like when I was growing up and that kind of thing. There seem to be more children that are working with this. And I think that there have been some great strides made in, uh, like, say, mainstreaming people in such a way as they, they're able to uh, adapt, you know, given right. their But uh, yeah. that's the whole idea behind hypnosis is hypnosis, if it's applied correctly, should help the person adapt to and become more flexible so that they can can deal with whatever they have to deal with. And that can be anxiety. It can be all kinds of fears and phobias. It can be a number of different things that can cripple us. But if, if you use hypnotism correctly, it can help them see they have inner resources that they can tap into that they can then access when they need it so they can do what they really need to do. Because, you know, as, as you know, so many people are just they're crippled by fears and phobias, and, and hypnotism can help them get around those those um, crippling mental mental conditions. 
Well, and you, and you know, you work with anger management. You work with addictions. Um, yep. There are so just. I mean, let's talk about let's talk about if you. I know this is kind of a. And if you don't want to go there, you don't have to. But with what's happening in Baltimore right now, what happened in Ferguson? What's there's a there's um there's a lot of anger and a lot of upset. And you know, for the first time ever, they're going to be playing a baseball game in Baltimore with no fans because of what's happening. And sure. you know, you're working with young people, and I just I just find myself thinking. What if we could use hypnosis to help the young people um, see different ways of dealing with anger and dealing with frustration in life? I mean, that would be, can you imagine if every school, you know, taught relaxation techniques, et cetera? Yes, and, and, like, and, and just taught, taught basic emotional intelligence. For example, anger is a God-given emotion that at certain times needs to be expressed, and it has a purpose. It has a positive purpose. But as you know, if all you have is anger to express, which is the problem with a lot of men, uh, that's the only emotion they're sort of given permission to have, pretty soon it's very isolating. And just like Baltimore, I mean, who wants to go to Baltimore right now? <laughs> no, no one. I mean, it's and, and just so, sad. And so the same thing happens to individuals who express anger a lot. It's pretty soon they look around and they, they go, well, where are all my friends? Where are all my contacts? Where are all my colleagues? Well, nobody wants to be around them because the only emotion they have to express is anger. And is anger... Um, Anger is very addictive. You're talking about addictions. Anger is very addictive because it does give people results. And just like the anger you mentioned, Ferguson, the anger you mentioned, these other terrible, and and, and there's that that is in many ways righteous anger. It's justified because there's been an injustice done there. And and I'd mm-hmm. be I'd be the first one to agree that that they should be angry. But you don't want the anger though to separate you from the same people you're trying to, you know, help change. And and uh, it's just like I always admired Martin Luther King. Because he, despite all the terrible things that were happening in the South when he was leading the Civil Rights Movement, he understood that the best way to win was is to help turn your enemies into allies. Right. And he's like a Gandhi. He was like a Gandhi in a different way. Yep. Well, he he's definitely studied Gandhi, and I think he understood that Gandhi was on to something there. And I think in many ways Gandhi did a better job of personifying the teachings of Jesus than many of us that are Christians. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. And you know, it's it's interesting. I've I'm a big believer in meditation and quieting the mind and lengthening those pauses between, you know, the thoughts. And, you know, the Transcendental Meditation Society kinda of disappeared for a while from Saint Louis and there's other teachers I could go on and on and most of them are studying, you know, Indian principles. Where they went is into the prison systems. They went into the prisons to teach the people behind, you know, imprisoned, how to meditate and how to change their thoughts mm-hmm. so that they could have impulse control and learn different ways rather than just responding with uh, anger. And it's it's interesting, you know, that you mentioned that so many men in our society just don't know how to express their feelings. And, you know, they're, we're, they're not taught. They really are not taught this. I mean, we have the younger people I think are more expressive, but even with the younger people there's still there's still just like this programming that I I really hope changes in time. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and it's just uh it, but I've had I've dealt with clients who that was their issue, that's why they came. They were going to lose their job. The anger was, you know, beginning to have an effect on their economic security. And um, you know, with that motivation, then the hypnosis in a relaxed state can suggest other Techniques to cope with frustration, uh, disappointment—you know—go through the list that can engender anger. And you realize there are other ways to uh, 
utilize that, that emotion and to use anger in the right context and in the right way so that it doesn't distance you from people but actually does create positive change. I mean, there's a reason we get angry. It's so that we'll get up and do something. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, right. that's the idea. But by the same token, you don't want to get up and do something so often that pretty soon the people just are scared to be around you, you know. Right, Nobody. it creates separation. It just it scares people, you know. Yes, um, isolating. An angry person, right. if they're angry all the time, they become very isolated. You know, I was just having this discussion with my my uh, daughter, who is 26 and lives in Italy, and I said, you know, in, in the household that I grew up in, you know, my mother and father never, ever were angry in front of the six kids. Oh, no, we never – but we knew something had happened because um, my stepfather, who, who raised my older brother and me and um, my four half-brothers, he would go into a silent treatment. You know, he would just be silent and sit in his his little chair that you know, not little chair but his chair and he would have his arms crossed and we would never ever see any conflict resolution but then all of a sudden they'd be fine again you know and so i said the silence was almost worse than if he would have just blown up and we could have like seen it like resolved but we never really um no none of us you know all six of us kind of grew up with not really knowing how to express anger in a in a in a way that was um positive shall we say so we you know that was what was modeled you don't get angry or if you do you just go into silence and i think that in our society we you know you look at you know people laugh oh the italians but da 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 you know and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and different cultures but the american culture um we have such a melting pot of people that um that i think that it's i i just think it's fascinating that you have had people come to you knowing that the anger was creating problems and you can work with them with that i mean i mean it's just amazing what hypnosis can do well and as you know when someone uh, needs to change. Change is hard. But in the hypnotic state, it's almost like you're tilling the soil and preparing the soil so that some new seeds can be planted. And the idea being there that a lot of times we do get stuck. And there's something that, hap- that happens in that, you mentioned the relaxation response, uh, there's something that happens in hypnosis that can kind of help people get unstuck so they can see other avenues, other possibilities, other resources. And, 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 and one thing that people often like about hypnosis versus traditional psychotherapy, although hypnosis is really the father of modern psychotherapy. I mean, even Freud did hypnosis before he became, you know, <laughs> psychoanalytic. But the point is, um, um, hypnosis gives them an opportunity to move very quickly to some deeper levels and encounter things in what is seemingly kind of a safe safe setting, safe environment, and then they can come out of it and say, well, you know, that hypnosis really helped me, and they can they can move ahead. And one, one medical doctor, William Kroger, years ago wrote in his book, um, The Applications of Hypnosis in Psychotherapy Medicine is a long title. But anyway, all these applications of hypnosis, he wrote in the, in the preface, he said, most psychotherapy looks like hypnosis in slow motion. And I found that to be very true. Oh, I think I, th- I want you to repeat that, please. <laughs> yep. Dr. William Kroger wrote in his book, The um, Applications of Hypnosis in Medicine, Psychotherapy, Dentistry, etc. It's a long title. He wrote in the preface, he said, most psychotherapy looks like hypnosis in slow motion. And there's a lot of things that happen in hypnosis can happen much much more rapidly than in traditional therapy. Traditional therapy is great. I have, nothing, I have no bone to pick with traditional therapy, but 
um, the brief therapy that can be accomplished with hypnosis is very attractive to people, and and I think that that's one of the one of the selling points for hypnotism is many times you can do things very quickly. For example, I'd like to use for example age regression. You know, um, you, you you go to a psychotherapist and they may ask you about your childhood and you're talking about you know the silent treatment home and things like that, and 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 that can take a lot of sessions. Well. In a hypnosis session, um, you can do an age regression, take the person back, and they relive that in a very powerful way. It's almost like they're actually there again. They often smell the smells, and they notice things that you know you wouldn't normally notice in your traditional memory. And it seems so real to them, and it has a very powerful emotional effect on them. And then you can reframe or reorder that experience or their understanding of that experience. You can't change the experience. The experience is what it was, but you can maybe see things from the eyes of an adult versus the eyes of a child, which is how you encountered things at first. And that can really speed up the healing process. It's not a cure-all, as my original friend, the psychologist, said, but it can actually speed up the process. You know, I was just describing um, that in a different way to my um, my daughter this last weekend. I, we, she reached me after I was doing an open house, um, and so I had an hour drive, and it was it was like the perfect time she could have called. And I said, you know, I said, there's this book called Love is Letting Go of Fear, uh, by Gerald Jampolsky, yeah. and he he works with book. attitude. Well, and you know he's worked with all these kids with cancer and attitudinal healing. And one of the things of that book that I've never forgotten is he says, you know, there has never been a movie made where it was shot perfectly the first time. They they will reshoot a scene, edit out the old one, and splice in the new one so that it's perfect. And you know one of the things he says is you can't change what's happened in your life, but you can change how you look at it. So like taking an adult and going back and and seeing that childhood scene with adult eyes you can't change the scene but you can certainly change how you how you feel it in your body and how and integrate it so what a beautiful way to explain it oh yes yeah. so, for example just the common experience of many modern people is, is they're often children of divorce well how many children divorce blame themselves for the divorce of their parents when actually if you take them back and you look at it from an adult standpoint you realize, no, there's nothing you could have done that could have caused that divorce. That was between those two people. <laughs> oh, I know. The innocence factor, you know, and I mean, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's just part of it. So I noticed also that there is, okay, I'm not on it right now, but Christian hypnosis or hypnosis for Christians, what, what is that about? Well, it's actually, it's, it's actually Adrian Madrill, who's quite a bright young man. He, his wife's a medical doctor and He's in a he's getting into a, a, a doctoral program in psychology, but he's he's a very committed layman in the Christian faith. He's not clergy, but um, but he's basically trying to offer um, the public and also other practitioners of hypnotism an explanation of how hypnosis is in no way contrary to the basic tenets and beliefs and doctrines of Christianity. Because unfortunately, and I think in St. Louis we kind of realize we're kind of on the edge of the Bible Belt there that uh, there are a lot of people who uh, have a misconception about hypnosis and they think somehow it's like opening yourself up to demonic forces or, or the devil or that kind of thing, and that if you practice hypnosis, you're practicing the occult or something like that. And the truth is, you know, hypnotism is a medical procedure, and, and it can be used, as we talked about, medically in many, many ways. And um, and there's there's nothing in inherent hypnotism that uh, would be anti-Christian. In fact, the Catholic Church has said for medical purposes, hypnosis is definitely allowed. Most of the mainline denominations have. There are a couple of the fundamentalist denominations. Uh, I believe the Jehovah Witnesses, for example, and um, I think also the Seven Day Adventists. I think they have they have banned hypnotism for their members, but that that's a very that's a small segment of the Christian picture, so to speak, this Christian pie out there. 
And um, but but uh, for example, when I interviewed at my current church, there were six deacons during the interviewing, and I made no secret of the fact, of course, I did hypnotism, and uh, it was really funny because three of the six had quit smoking with hypnosis with a psychiatrist that I knew, and I was on faculty at SIU School of Medicine, and they were just like, hey, it's a medical procedure, no problem, they hired me, you know, and, they, and actually, I've helped a number of my church members quit smoking. I mean, they're very, and I offer that just as pastoral counseling. I don't charge them, of course, for that, but, but that's been quite positive, and although I've gotten an email from one of the other church um, church members in a different congregation, different denomination, and he was worried about my soul because of hypnotism. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But it's like you're mesmerizing them. You're up on the pulpit mesmerizing. <laughs> I guess so. But I, you know, I always refer them back to Jesus, and Jesus said you'll know them by their fruits, and I always say, well, if the fruits are people quit smoking and they want to quit smoking and they're healthy, if they want to lose weight, they're healthier, they, they overcome these fears, they're healthier. I, I just don't see how God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit would be against any of those things. <laughs> well, and Jesus also knew, like, when someone, when he was going through crowds and someone touched him that believed so strongly that if he just touched his robes, he would be healed, he would feel that, that he could feel it like someone with that belief, and sometimes he would look back to see who that was. I mean, it's, I mean, he taught this and more you can do also. It's like through belief, through the power of the mind, through the the belief in God, you know, there's just, well, yeah. That leads, to, that leads to a comment I'd just like to make real quickly. I know some of your listeners may be professional um, medical practitioners or, or mental health practitioners, and, you know, I don't care. I don't care what your approach is, whether it be in medicine or be in psychology or counseling, we're all offering suggestions to each other all the time. And so the more skill you can develop in offering suggestions that are helpful and not hurtful, the better off everyone else is. And and at the heart of hypnotism is learning not only how to get people into hypnosis, but once they're in the hypnotic state, how to formulate positive suggestions that produce the positive results that you want. And as you know, how we speak to each other, we're, we're giving suggestions all the time. You come from a medical background. When I teach at SIU School of Medicine, I tell the third-year medical students, the minute you put that white coat on, you become the best hypnotist in the room. Whether you want to be or not, you are, because you have the authority, and that person is on the edge of their seat, their eyes are wide open, they're listening, they're hanging on every word you say, and it's very important you be very careful what you say, because as you know, People will take what the doctor says very literally. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I mean, so many people, when they go to the doctor, it's like, doctor, doctor, fix me. And they, they give all their power to that person in the white coat. And, um, it's, you know, I mean, I, I'll never forget when they told my mom she had three to six months to live. And I, in my mind, I was like, oh, she's already had three of those six months. And she died three months to the day. And, and, you know, yeah. our suggestion works positively, and it can work negatively. You know? Yeah. I mean, when I was diagnosed with cancer, you'll you'll get a kick out of this. Well, not a kick, but, you know, the, the oncologist looked at me, and she said, um, in most cases, um, with the particular, you know, normally it's seven years, you know, you get to clap your hands. And she says, in your case, if you're here three years from now, you get to clap your hands. Because I had this rare, aggressive kind of breast cancer uh, nine years ago. And... She said, um, she said, so get your affairs in order. And, um, and I said, so what do you think? And she goes, what? I said, what do you think? And she goes, well, I'm not God, and I'm not trying to act like God, but I can normally tell who's going to make it and who isn't. She literally said this to me. 
And I looked at her, I said, and? She goes, oh, you're going to make it. Hmm. She studied with... um, Oh, my gosh. I just, Andrew Weil, she was a nutritionist before she became an oncologist, and she understood so much about working with the mind, the body, and the spirit. And, you know, it's interesting. She also wanted me to do 12 more chemotherapies, and I'd kind of forgotten that she said that at the initial time. And... um, I'll go. I'll go through this really fast. I was vaca- I, I told her. I said, "No, I'm not doing those. If what I have taken hasn't done it, then so be it." I said, "But I, I'm not doing it." And she said, "Well, I really encourage you to think about this." So I went on this vacation, and I wound up with my favorite bed and breakfast. And three of the people there were breast cancer um, survivors, and two were married to doctors. And then the chiropractor down the street's wife had breast cancer, and he went to medical school because he felt so helpless. So I'm out on the porch this one morning, and this this, uh, doctor says, so how far along are you in your treatment? I said, well, as far as I'm concerned, I'm finished. And he says, well, what does that mean? And I said, well, my doctor wants me to do whatever. I said, but everything I've read said it won't do a thing for what I have. And he says, well, and I explained what I had, and he said, he says, well, how did you figure out that that wouldn't work? I said, oh, I paid for abstracts that weren't pub- published yet. You had to like, pay to get oh, yeah. to that. And, and he yeah. said, well, he says, I'm actually in cancer research. And he says, you're absolutely right. It would have done nothing but make you sicker. It would not have touched what, you, what you're what you undergoing. And I said, well, I really have utmost respect for this doctor. I said, why would she say that? And he says, oh, he says, they don't know how to treat what you have. He says, she was trying, probably trying to give you extra money in the bank. So, of course, I go back from vacation. I go see her. She says, what have you decided? I said, no more. And she says, well, you know, you really did. You did the mastectomy. You did the four harshest chemos anyone could do. It wasn't in your lymph notes. You did the protocol. I just wanted to give you extra money in the bank. Wow. He knew exactly so what he was talking I, about, didn't he? <laughs> did I explain everything to her about this doctor at this bed and breakfast and how God lined up all the angels to help me make this decision? No, but I knew that every step of the way I had to be full faith and, you know, when I had to make a lot of changes. And I think that's what Bernie Siegel is teaching. It's like you have to, you can't just do the, you have to do the other work. Yeah, and, and you know, like you said, you're, you're a professional medically, and there are many kinds of cancers, and there are also many kinds of people, and we know that there's a lot more going on than we thought even just 10 years ago. And um, so, to, so to take a definitive stance, you know, this is this way, this is that way, for a medical person is really foolish because, you know, different individuals uh, are going to respond differently. And, yeah, they're, they're, yeah, you can play the odds. Yeah, maybe maybe 8 out of 10 are going to do this, but what about those other two? <laughs> right, right. Oh, my gosh, I know. And it's, you know, it's all a personal decision, and a lot of the holistic community were just up in arms that, you know, I mean, I actually had someone say, I can't believe, and my students can't believe that you're doing this. Why would you? And I was like, oh, you know what? You know, it's, it's you know, I had three small children and one leaving for college, and, and it's a personal decision. And, you know, I look at all of this, I think that, you know, the more we all work together, and I, I was, like, happy to see that, you know, you are bridging between medical and alternative and complementary, and you're walking in all the worlds, William, you know, and you're a good spokesman for all of us. And then you have, you know, your your ministry, and it's like you are the perfect person to be a representative of what full faith and, and belief can do. Well, thank you. And I, I think, you know, even the medical students, have, they find it hard to believe I start telling stories about what we do in sessions. And Because, you know, uh, we're, we're in, in, in the medical world, justifiably, understandably, they're, they're very, you know, hard science oriented. And you, ha- you expect that from a medical doctor. But by the same token, there is that human 
and if you would, spiritual element that it's just almost impossible to quantify, but yet you can observe it. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, the latest studies, like with the transplants that are happening, you know, organ Mm -hmm. transplants, et cetera, you know, Greg Braden brings this up, you know, I mean, he, he understands this more than, you know, the average scientist. They have found that people that have like a heart transplant, sometimes the cells, whatever it is, whatever organ, there's consciousness with those organs. And now they're finding that sometimes they'll have, these people are having obscure cravings. And, I mean, there's so much we don't understand, you know, with the right. mind. And, and neuro-linguistic programming, I am one of the biggest believers in Bandler's work and, you know, all of the different people who have worked in that arena. I mean, it's fascinating to me. I mean, I'm, I'm actually – I took several classes from a hypnotherapist um, in the early 90s on neuro-linguistic programming. I mean, it's just amazing what can be done with the willingness and the surrender, so to speak. Well, and it has so many applications. You know, I come from a church background, and I was first introduced to uh, neuro-linguistic programming in the early 80s, uh, doing a program with the church where we were learning how to go out and talk to people who had left the church and become inactive. And, of course, the whole listening aspect of NLP programming and listening, you know, and trying to decide is this person more visual, auditory, you know, kinesthetic, and, and you know, uh, responding to them in a way that was appropriate so that you could be heard, you know. Right. And, uh, and um, you know, so that was that was in the early 80s, and so it, it really has, um, neuro-linguistic programming has really infiltrated um, all, so many areas of, of life, whether it be business, medicine, whether it be church or ministry, there's so many areas, because there are applications that are very, really very learnable, very, very learnable by the average person. They can pick up on it. When you talk about visual, you know, touch, kinesthetic, or auditory, people get that. They go, oh, that makes sense, you know. <laughs> oh, I know. When I was working on my MBA, half the class were engineers. It was um, it was a fascinating time. And, you know, we we studied Myers-Briggs because yeah. – Love the my instructor was like, no sales manager that is worth their salt is not going to understand, like, or is this person an extrovert, an introvert, you know, or, you know, the, just to understand how they process. And and they touched, but not without calling it neuro-linguistic programming, they, that's what they were teaching is matching. If you've got an auditory person, well, and they're saying sounds like, looks like, feels like, you know, um, well, it seems to me or it looks to me like, you know, or it feels to me like, you know, you start matching. And, you know, it, it's just it's basic understanding and making someone um, feel comfortable. And, you know, I mean, I just I just find neuro-linguistic programming fascinating. I always have been drawn to it in timeline therapy and, all the different things that go with it. and um, But let's talk about the conference again. Is the best uh, website heartlandhypnosisconference.com? Is that what you would recommend? Yes. And, and people can go on there and they can pull up the event schedule. They can register there. There is a small registration fee for the general public. If they come for one day, it's $59. It includes lunch. We provide lunch. Um, and then also uh, we do offer some uh, – we have people of choices at lunch. They can either go to a class at lunch or they can just enjoy their lunch in – in the uh, in the dining area, because like you said, some people are experts, some people are introverts. Introverts are going to need to recharge. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's so true. I'm like, give me a quiet space outside, thank you. No, <laughs> everyone thinks I'm an extrovert, but boy, I'll right. tell you, William, if I did not have my quiet time, I couldn't do all that I do. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people who are very into meditation tend to be kind of introverted in their orientation because it's it's a very inner experience, and um, so uh, but yet. Introverts can extrovert, especially if they need to, and um, it, it's like being right-handed, left-handed. We can we can go with our non-dominant side, but but we have to recharge eventually. 
let's see, um, the other thing is they can go on there and they can register either for one day, $59, or all three days, 87 But each day, lunch is included, and we're going to have a very nice lunch each day. And the reason for that is we didn't want people to have to leave, go out and fight the line to get food and rush back. So we're just providing a real nice, like, St. Louis bread. It's a St. Louis bread company. It'll be sandwiches of different kinds. We'll have vegetarian as well as, you know, the regular. And we'll have, you know, some some other things that go with it and something to drink. And and that way, people can just really enjoy it. And then Friday night, for the people who attend the conference, we're going to have a little wine crackers and cheese cheese reception so people can get to know each other more on a social basis and and um it's just going to be a lot of fun that way but there's some of the people coming in are just really amazing people and and i'd i'd uh i'd recommend um a number of them dr richard nongard who is a licensed marriage family therapist will be teaching on friday in the professional track and as i mentioned earlier we are giving mental health ceus and we do have a good number of mental health professionals already signed up that are going to be taking that, and that's just going to be on Friday. On the weekend, you talked about addiction. One of my good friends from Decatur, Illinois, his name is Kevin Lawton, and he's a licensed drug and alcohol counselor, and he's one of the best I've ever been around. And I refer, uh, when people come to me and they have addictions, I actually had that tonight. I had a guy come in and want to quit smoking and deal with what he perceived to be a gambling addiction. I say he really does have that. Uh, and I told him right away, I said, you know, we can work with you on the smoking, but when it comes to the addiction time, I want to bring in my colleague, Kevin Lawton, because uh, as far as I'm concerned, he's the best I've ever seen in addictions. And like most people that are licensed drug and alcohol counselors, he, he's an addict himself. And um, and uh, he understands there's often a biological genetic component. And uh, and he also understands, though, that there's just certain things that work and certain things that don't. <laughs> wow. So I want to I wanna just ask one thing. If they pay the $87, do they need to pay the additional $30 um, for the group sessions? Or how does that the, – what what is yes. included – Okay, that's so, what we so got. The, that's what we set up. They do the thirty because if you did a group session like that, normally it costs like seventy-five dollars by itself, one session. But we're offering three, and uh, the three weight loss. And uh, so yeah, it's eighty-seven, and then thirty dollars more if they only do all three of the weight losses. And that's a bargain, thirty dollars for three weight loss sessions. The reason I, I wanted people to do the group sessions too is for the people who've never been hypnotized. If you get hypnotized in the group session and then go and take these classes, the classes will make so much more sense because you're you're learning about what you just experienced. And I think that's going to be a neat dynamic in the course of this weekend because when I do the group sessions, we're going to create some hypnotic phenomenon. I mean, for example, if they don't want to eat chocolate anymore after that weight loss session, uh, we're going to make it so they don't want chocolate or whatever the food is they want to cut out. And that's basically called a hypnotic hallucination. But uh, when they get around those kind of foods, they're not going to want to eat them now. Um, that sounds pretty confident, and you're going, oh, yeah, right, sure, but the truth is I've done this for years, and that's a quick and easy way to help people lose weight is you cut a few high-calorie foods out of their diet, and they're going to they're gonna immediately drop some weight. And in the weight loss industry, if you don't get some immediate results, people tend to quit. So this is oh, one boy. way we quickly give people results. Yeah, we quickly give people results because we cut out some high-calorie food, and they drop 5 or 10 pounds, and they're excited. You know, so uh, But if they experience the group sessions, then when they're sitting in these classes, they go, oh, that's all, and, and it all comes to them, you know, because it's one thing to talk about it, but hypnosis by its very nature is experiential. You have to experience it. It's just an experiential thing. Okay, so listeners, this is William Mitchell, and he is... Welcome to the Spirit Seeker Hour. Spirit Seeker Hour is your chance to delve into the world 
of your inner spirit. The Spirit Seeker Hour is brought to you by Spirit Seeker Magazine. Go to www.spiritseeker.com to find out more. And now, here's Cindy Meyer. Hey, 